Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is episode number 97. And um, I want to go over something that uh, it's pretty disturbing. I picked up a, uh, a copy of the uh, Connecticut Post today. And uh, one of the headlines read, Seventh grader who was uh, overdosed on fentanyl at Hartford School Thursday has died. Um, so let me just go through through this before I throw some opinions. Um, the 13-year-old uh, apparently had... Um, overdosed and passed out uh, at approximately 10.45 a.m. Thursday. Uh, The Hartford Police uh, were dispatched to the Sports and Medical Science Academy on uh, Hugh Shoppy Avenue, which would have been in Hartford, on a report of an unconscious uh, student. Uh, The juvenile was transported to the Connecticut uh, Medical Center for treatment. Uh, initially, he was regarded uh, he was regarded as a uh, guarded condition. Uh, and unfortunately, um, at 5.30 p.m., he had uh, succumbed to his uh, the overdose. Uh, within that, there were two other juveniles who complained of being dizzy and were also transported to the hospital for for evaluation. Um, the police are basically investigating how the students um, came in contact with the fentanyl. Uh, and this is how this is how insane it is. And this is where I'm going to make some comments. Um, the uh, there were canine units dispatched to the scene. Most of these were uh, drug-detecting uh, canines. Were brought to the school, and after the investigation, nearly 40 bags of fentanyl in two classes in the school gym were, were located. I mean, what in the heck is going on? The active is still investigation, obviously, but, I mean, what is going on? I mean, I'm not going to ask somebody some of the questions, but I mean, we're, you know, I've been a cop a long time and, you know, 40 bags of fentanyl, either, either one of your students is, uh, distributing it or somebody had to have brought, found it and brought it in from a house, which then again brings me back to the, um, some of the living conditions, uh, Unfortunately, that our students, not only uh, elementary school, but high school level, the the, uh, the living conditions that they that they uh, outside outside of school. Let me just say that. Uh, initial thought, you know, our hands were way up in the air when OxyContin came into uh, play. We were losing, I think, in in one year over about 380,000 people 
Um, these were older people who, you know, either they had addiction problems or they, you know, for whatever reason, they were adults and they can, you know, whatever way they wanted their life to go or, you know, whatever happened, happened, you know, I mean, but this is different. We're talking about, let me see, at seventh grade, 13 years old, 13 years old, where, you know, is it me as a parent who, my kid is 18 and I watch everything. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be honest with you. The friends that come into my, his, his friends that come into my house, I know their first name, their last name. Um, I know where they, where they live and so on and so forth. Knowing their, their government name like uh, Laser or Buddha or this and that doesn't fly. And if I don't know who you are by your full name, your address, this and that, you don't come into my house. Simple. You know, parents, you need to, this is a different game we're playing now. Parents, you need to step up and and watch what your kids are doing. And don't let them, don't let, don't let them, uh, you know, try to discourage you from asking questions. Because, and just remember, as a parent, unless there is a physical lock on a child's bedroom door, you can search their room. Don't let any Einstein little little kid tell you that, oh, you can't go into my room. You most certainly can, especially if you pay rent. If you pay rent, you can go into their room. They're juveniles. And if they decide that they in the process of putting a lock on it, no, you're not. Sometimes you got to be a real hard ass, but, you know, this, these are the things you have to deal with. Now, Okay, so we have oxycotton that, unfortunately, is still, you know, has manifested itself into our culture, which is taking out people on a daily basis. Now we have this new, new, you know, we have this new garbage coming in, and most of this stuff coming in is coming in from China, and uh, I'll I'll put a name to it because that's where it's coming in from. Uh, this stuff is bad. This, I mean, you know, you touch this stuff and, and it absorbs into your skin faster than, you, you know, fast. And it will kill you as dead as a doornail. A couple other issues that we have with this type of uh, situation in the school. Most of the police departments catering to the politicians, again... And the parents who think that there should be a school culture where the kids just do what they want and everything is good. They don't want the police in the school. They don't want the. They don't want SROs. This, that, and the other thing. Well, you know, unfortunately, would that have solved this? Who knows? Probably not. But you know, see, police officers that are in the schools talk to the kids. The kids know what's going on. The kids talk to teachers. Cops talk to teachers. So you have a better, better, a safer school environment. Yeah, I know the parents will come up to you and some of the school teachers, well, we don't want this to be a prison. Well, you know what? Unfortunately, you are not living in the 
school setting of the 1980s or the 1990s. You are in a new era where guns in schools, narcotics in schools, deadly narcotics in schools are trending. And they're trending at a very high and rapid rate. And no, I don't agree with the not having cops in the school. No, I don't agree that they they seem like they're wardens when they're in the school. Um, yeah, there have been certain issues with law enforcement being in schools. The one of the biggest seems to be the teachers. You know, when a student violates a school policy, like, I don't know, listening to a cell phone, uh, bring a cell phone into the classroom, whatever it may be, that is a violation of school policy. That is not a violation of law. Law enforcement has no duty to be there. But teachers use them as a tool because the teachers don't want to tell little Johnny, oh, you can't have your, your cell phone with you. You can't be talking on it. Um, that's a, That becomes an issue. Um, now they have the child review board. Hate to tell you, was an SRO for eight years. Spitting into the wind. Okay. You see, and this is this is hard to say when it comes to students, but think about it in your own household. Where there's no fear, there's no control. <clears throat> when people are not afraid, in students that there's some type of um, there's not there's, there's not going to be a consequence for what they do. You are just you are just you know opening the barn door. And just hoping that the horses, cows, chickens, whatever you have in your barn isn't going to walk out. And we, as we all know, that's that will never work because the horses, the cows, and whatever else is in your barn is going to let loose. Um, law enforcement and security in the schools, they're, they're pretty much now contained to a limited area. Because everybody finds it offensive, the school, you know, and, and the school finds it offensive because they have to. They have to find it offensive because they don't want to. They don't want to uh, upset the the upper administration, who, believe it or not, gets gets grants for you know you get more grants if you have less students suspended, less students are arrested. You get better grants, or you get your your finance better probably a more accurate term because maybe not all the finances come from grants. However, that within itself, that, that ideology is, that ideology is just wrong. You know, this is a different society. These are a different breed of children. Um, and what I mean by that, and like I said, I cut to the chase. I don't pull punches is their parents. These younger parents are growing up in a, uh, uh, an age where the government says, oh, do whatever you want. What they teach your, your student, their child, do whatever you want. The, the, the child doesn't, sometimes doesn't know any better. Okay, they see the parents do it, they do it. You know, you got to remember, it's not the, it's not the children's fault or their response to what they've seen growing up. 
you know, that's not their fault. They were put in a situation where they may have been in an environment, living environment, whatever environment, where, you know, bad things were happening. That, you know, that they were, they are kind of forced into living into the environment they have to live in, okay? So it's not to say that every kid that is at a certain age is going to do bad things, but there's high, higher probabilities in certain type of, uh, uh, living conditions. Just let me say that. Um, the fentanyl, God forbid, if we get, listen, it's bad enough when high school students get, get fentanyl. High school students and adults, because they're a little older, they have a little better understanding of how the world works. Um, although the college students get upset at me when I tell them that their brain doesn't stop developing until they're in their mid-30s and then they get all mad and they throw fits and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. But now now we are bringing it into classrooms, 6th, 7th grade classrooms. Children are 13, 14 years old, very limited life experience. They're probably not even, they're invincible. Death isn't going to occur. Death isn't a really talked about topic. Um, but now you have this, which is, I mean, it's horrific. I mean, who wants to lose a 13 year old son, you know, um, and unfortunately there are things you can do to attempt to prevent it. But the only real thing that can be done is your, as your child goes up, the mentality that you install on him is what's going to bring him through. Like my son will tell you, you know, believe it or not, as old as I am and I am 59, you know, I'm in good shape. I can keep up with anybody 30 and maybe even in their 20s, but I've never done an illegal drug or smoked a cigarette in my life. And the environment I grew up in, the time I grew up in, Let's face it, the 60s were a very popular time for all kinds of different things. So, with that in mind, I at a very early age, probably at the age of six, continuing onward to today, continuously remind him of the problems, the issues, and results of using illegal drugs, alcohol, so on and so forth. Um... I'm sure at sometimes he wants to jump out of his own skin, but I do it for a reason. I've been on law. I've been in law enforcement for 35 years. I've seen a ton of people, younger people, die, uh, make bad choices, drink, get into car accidents, um, paralyzed, disabled, all of this stuff. So, you know, I'm opening that that uh, I'm I am opening up that life experience toolbox. Um, and for the teachers and the staff that are in elementary schools that are maybe in suburban area, rural areas, do not believe for one second that this stuff is not occurring in your school. Because if you are, you are fooling yourself. Um, you know, it's just like when you're in a large inner city and two schools are having a dispute and this this group comes up to that group in this school and I start fighting, 
when the kids get on their cell phones, the other school that they're fighting already knows about it, which just, it, it just, you know, it just turns it into a bigger issue than, you know, what it, what it is. Uh, in this case, you know, this fentanyl is scary crap, man. It'll, it'll kill you. You know, um, and then they found 40 bags. I mean, in three, if I read this right, it was three different locations. So let's see, three bags. In, so that's over 10 bags in each one of these locations. And that's just stuff they found. So with that being said, you know, it has to be coming in from somewhere. And somewhere down the line, there has to be an adult behind it. So those are things we might want to start thinking about. We might want to start thinking about, uh, maybe it's time to put you know, the SROs, the school resource officers, back in school. You know, here's my position on it, and a lot of people don't like it, but it is what it is. You know, the staff will complain about it, the principal will complain about it, the parents will complain about it. However, just because a student is inside of a contained building does not mean that they are always safe. You know, you could just have that one random kid come in and start a whole whole bunch of havoc. You know, you can always have that so do I know what the answer to this is? No. Suggestions I can give you? Yeah. Uh, parents, teachers, staff, uh, start listening to what the kids are saying. Um, for you, you schools that have civilian uh, security guards, law enforcement cannot go into a locker, even if they believe they're uh, uh, contraband without probable cause or a warrant. Your Secure, civilian security office being notified by a civilian staff member teacher that the locker may contain contraband, which could be anything. Contraband could be drugs, guns, whatever. Um, based on school policies and state statutes, they because they're civilians, they can go into the locker and look. You know, and you know it's it's time we stop shuttle bugging everybody and giving everybody an excuse to do what they want. Um, you know, it might not save every student, but as long as it saves one, that's really the, the main point. You know, this, this case is tragic. It's a seven, uh, you know, a seventh grade kid. He's 12, 13, 14 years old, um, <clears throat> whole life to live, uh, things to do. And it's cut, cut off short because of some white powdery substance that uh, some uh, deficient degenerate uh, manufactured. And uh, nothing for nothing, I, 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 hope, I hope when he's not looking, he accidentally puts his hand in a whole pile of it and he'll just get rid of one problem, you know. Um, 
you know, there's nothing I can say to the parents that that is going to make this any easier. Um, this, unfortunately, is going going to be a lifelong daily thought. You know, as time goes by, it may get a little easier, but, you know, unfortunately, um, sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, like I said, these schools, especially the bigger schools, need to start paying more attention and putting more SROs into the school systems. And uh, even if you only have one or two, they can travel school to school. But, you know, they'll do the stop, talk, and walk and, you know, hopefully hear something. The kid, You know, there are kids that will tell the cops what's going on. There are teachers or staff members. You know, there's a lot of people. But um, something like this is, you know, it's um, it's upsetting. I mean, you know, just think about it. Imagine how a 13-year-old kid and, you know, this happening to, I mean, Jesus, you know, I can't even, I can't honestly even think about it, but, and if you look through the papers, I'm sure if you do a little research, I'm sure that there are many more uh, students who have passed away from this, this type of drug in the schools lately. Um, So this is another issue that law enforcement has to deal with, unfortunately, like I said in prior uh, broadcast due to the um, new new rules put out by the Connecticut uh, legislation about police indemnity, uh, the extension of juvenile age ranges, the extent of, you know, the probable, you know, the, You know, the Juvenile Review Board, which, you know, nothing for nothing, guys, I'm just telling you how it is. You know what? You might as well not even write out the, that little note to send the Juvenile Review Board because, you know what, it's spitting into the wind. It doesn't do anything. Um, but it's good for legislation because it makes, it makes us look like we're actually doing something when, in fact, we all know. That one right out those stupid slips. They don't do anything anyway. You know, you can sit Johnny Johnny Smith down with with a dozen people looking at him, tell him how bad he is, this, that, and the other thing. Well, well, Johnny's going to go with peer pressure. It's always been that way. It's never going to stop. So, you know, have to think about things like that. Okay, until episode number, I believe it's going to be. 898. This is Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast, uh, coming from you from Derby, Connecticut, a little spot in Connecticut, the smallest town in Connecticut, and um, that's where we broadcast from. And just let, remember, like I always tell you, if you are in a dark place, I don't care what type of dark place, I'll make you let think about the dark place in your own mind. You hear footsteps or noises and you don't know what they are. Well, you better hope you know where the back door exit is because if you don't, we could be talking about you in the next episode. Until then, my name is Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker Podcast.